0: We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M A X P O O L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, May 15th, 2023. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film editorial director, Peter Ceretta. and Joining me on today's podcast, Slash Film writer and box office analyst, Ryan Scott.
2: Hey, hey, everyone. How's it going?
1: It's going good. Uh, before we get into the news, actually, I, I mentioned on Friday, I, I I didn't expect a bunch of people to message me about this, but I I mentioned seeing Young Guns 2 in the theater and how I was frustrated that there was a boom mic in almost every single scene, and I didn't realize till much later that it was actually uh, a result of bad projection, that they actually misframed. The projection. So, so, we got a bunch of responses to this. Uh, one was from Ralph on Twitter. He said, uh, "I was a projectionist back then. The term is open mat, and the the cheap films had me permanently stationed at the projector as they weren't printed with an even an open frame lock. So, so that's what it's called. It's called open mat. And uh, Charles from Virginia writes in." I just finished listening to the podcast uh, with you talking about the boom mic. I had the same exact experience with M. Night Shyamalan's The Village in 2004 for nearly 20 years. I thought I had seen some early cut of the film that was just poorly edited. I was losing my mind that nobody I talked to knew what I was talking about. Now today for the first time I'm learning that this is a very isolated incident caused by some poor underpaid projectionist and my local single screen theater thank you so much for sharing the story and reminding me of the experience i had not so long ago i feel like i finally have some closure so so there you have it uh we're <laughs> i didn't expect that uh that uh, little aside to uh you know affect so many people but anyways um so there you have it so if you want to look well, there up you more go in- peter
2: you're not a crazy person
1: <laughs> yeah um and again this is something that doesn't even exist anymore with digital cinema everything's you know under the control of the filmmakers and the studio so you don't you don't get a projectionist who decides if he, if the boom mic's in the frame or not <laughs> okay uh let's get into the news uh it is monday and ryan you are on the podcast so let's talk about box office. And th- the one big film this weekend was Guardians of Galaxy Volume 3. This is the second weekend at the box office. The first weekend, I, th- I feel like at least domestically, was a little less than expectations. How did it fare the second weekend?
2: It fared well, although, we'll talk about this in a second, but it, depending on how you're defining big movie, this was the holdover big movie this weekend. There was another arguably big movie that came in theaters, but you would be forgiven for not realizing it. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, as you and I talked about last weekend, it's really going to be the second weekend that tells the story. Um, you know, because Marvel's had some big collapses here as of late, where like, you know, and granted, a lot of these movies were big hits, but Thor Love and Thunder, um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and most notably Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania absolutely collapsed in their second weekends. Um, now, in the case of some of those movies, they made so much money that in the first weekend that it didn't matter as much. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania made a lot of money, but not enough money to see a collapse like that. So, and particularly given that Ant-Man had very poor reviews was the beginning of phase five was kind of a terrible thing way to start. So, um, uh, but what happened this weekend is that guardians of the galaxy volume three did really well. And actually, since I wrote up my story, the weekend actuals have come out and the movie actually made $62 million this weekend, meaning it only had a 48% drop. That is one of the best holds ever for a Marvel cinematic universe movie. And I mean, ever. Uh, so so, yeah, it, it seriously... Now, that doesn't mean it had, like, one of the... That doesn't mean it had the best second weekend ever in total box office, but it means that, that it held very well. Um, uh, so the only ones that, that uh, held better were uh, Black Panther, which was a massive pop culture phenomenon, and oddly enough, the original Thor had a pretty good hold, but we're also talking about movies that, you know, Thor didn't make nearly as much money. Um, so uh, the, the this brings the... the uh, Total for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 through uh, two weekends to $530 million. Uh, It has already well surpassed the entire global take of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Now, the only problem here is that Guardians 3 has a lot of competition in the upcoming weeks. We have Fast X, Cross the Spider-Verse, Transformers Rise of the Beast, which we'll talk about in a second. So, um, you know, uh, it depends how it holds, but it's looking like we could at least, you know, it should at least get to 700 million. I would think the original guardians made 770. So I don't know if we're going to match that De- probably not going to match volume two, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I think given the changing landscape with Disney plus being such a big thing and a lot of people could tend to wait with China making, you know, less of an impact on Hollywood films with um you know russia not really being a factor because the ongoing war and stuff like that like i think that you can probably look at this in the end as a win for sure which is a good thing
1: you, you know it's interesting i i've mentioned on this podcast i do this summer movie wager with the people over at the the film cast and david chen my friend david chen after seeing the film was like oh no we all put this at number one i don't think that this is going to be the number one film of the summer and his thought was that uh You know, it being such a hard hitting film with the the animal stuff and whatever that it it would just the word of mouth would not be there that, you know, uh, maybe there would actually be bad word of mouth, as we've actually seen with uh, people not wanting to take their kids and stuff.
2: But a strong minority, though, clearly, though, because I thought that, too. But I think one of the things that I considered I didn't write about this is that Iron Man came out in 2008 and even that first Guardians came out in 2014. People that were kids when that first one came out are no longer kids. So I think that your audience for this franchise in particular has grown up. And so I think that, yes, there might be some kids that will go see it. But I think what's interesting is that your audience has grown up a lot. So I'm wondering if that didn't impact, you know, the. Yeah, because because also let's not forget the Rotten Tomatoes score. The critic score is fine. It's a 95 percent audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. People really like the movie. You know this is this is by this is by all accounts a very well liked Marvel movie, so I think that you know the the simple lesson here is that like a well liked Marvel movie will have legs beyond its opening weekend, one that doesn't it'll have you an opening weekend, but after that, eh, you know who knows so i you know Marvel just needs to make good movies and they will make money,
1: you know Ryan. I once heard a Hollywood executive, I forget which one it was, but say. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase what he said because I don't have it in front of me. But he was like, uh, the two things you – the two big things that you want to have the audience leave the theater with is you either want them having cried and having an emotional uh, connection with the story in some way. Or at the very end of the film, you want them laughing and there would be a good song that like leaves them to be like upbeat while they're leaving the theater and have like, you know, "I, I really like that. And uh, I know that's oversimplification because, uh, you know, a good song is not going to save a bad movie. But, you you know, you saw with a lot of like the, the comedies in the 2000s, like uh, ending a movie with like um, bloopers and stuff like that. You saw that with, uh, even with Pixar with uh, <laughs> Bugs Life and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know. I, I think there is something to be said about this movie. Anybody who sees it, if you don't cry – do you have a heart i don't know um. yeah
2: there's some there's some brutal but it also does sort of end on a well i don't want to say people still yeah, probably yeah. need to see it i don't want to say anything but but yeah i mean look it, it's clear that that general audiences are really eating it up and and uh international audiences are, are doing their part too so um you know it's uh yeah i mean should do pretty well um and-
1: I was looking at this graph over at the numbers. I sent it to you in our Slack channel and it shows the, uh, where this movie is doing in comparison to the volume one and volume two And while it's not quite hitting volume two. Like you said, uh, it, this is a domestic graph. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, it is doing a lot better than volume one. So in volume one ended its, its domestic run with like 330 million. So yeah. I don't know. This is just my long way of saying, I think, uh, Everybody on the film cast putting it uh this movie at number one for the summer what wasn't a blunder I think
2: no no, no not a blunder, and I think that uh, you know I had my questions but but I think it's I've been silenced uh the, the movie did well <laughs> um the the uh, uh the other the weekend's other big new movies um big being you know what relative <laughs> uh, uh well, the, the, wh- the
1: the biggest uh box office with bomb of this year.
2: Well, yeah. Let's let's talk about a uh, book club. The next chapter first, a sequel to 2018's book club. That movie was a very sneaky hit, 104 million worldwide. Uh, this one only did 6.5 million opening weekend, uh, less than 10 million overall worldwide. Not going to be a hit at all. But it only cost 20 million to make. So, Focus Features has apparently since last year pivoted very heavily to a premium VOD focus model. So like, you know, they're they're not banking as much on box office as they used to, I guess. Or so. So that's the kind of
1: film that I I feel like would do better on in-home video anyways.
2: Potentially. Yeah. So so at 20 million dollars, if you could let's say you could even you can get to 20, 25 million at the box office. You cover a lot of your budget that way and you kind of use that as advertising for the VOD release they're not gonna make a lot of money on it there's no question but they they might at least recoup their investment that's you know again the nice thing about keeping your budgets reasonable but um uh here's here's uh, on the flip side of that uh did you know that robert rodriguez the director of spy kids and alita battle angel and uh and from Dust till dawn uh had a movie out this weekend that had ben affleck in it did you know that peter I only
1: know it because, you know, obviously I work for Slashfilm.com. But uh, other than that, I've not seen any – I actually don't even think I've seen the trailer for this, Ryan. I, okay. I, I don't even know what this is about.
2: Right. Okay. So so this is – so Robert Rodriguez did indeed release a movie this movie this weekend called Hypnotic. Uh, stars Ben Affleck. Uh, it had a in-progress screening at South by Southwest, which was pretty much the first time anyone had heard of it. I'm trying to make this movie for years – uh, it was released by a studio called Catch-Up Entertainment, uh, which is a really good sign. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, look, no, no, no shade to Catch-Up Entertainment, but uh, this movie had a $65 million budget. And when your movie's that expensive, you want a major studio behind it. Um, it made $2.4 million opening weekend, which ranks as the worst opening weekend for a wide release ever for, Rod- Rod- for Rodriguez and Affleck, respectively. Uh, it is still wow. kind of awaiting international buyers because what happened is the studio that was originally behind it folded during COVID. And then like the movie had a bunch of different shutdowns over COVID. So the budget balloon, they didn't have a distributor. So the small time distributor came on board. Now they're hoping that like they can juice up international sales. But I mean, with a domestic opening like this, there is almost no chance that, you're going to be able to salvage it. So, you know, they might be able to recoup a percentage of the investment. The only, the only upside here is like you said, you didn't, you know, there was very little marketing spend here. And I think it was somewhat wise because I don't think they had a chance of, you know, if you spend $60 million to market it, I don't know that you were going to ever get that money back. So, um, you know, critics roundly didn't like the movie. It's got like a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes, very little marketing. It, it's you didn't even water. seem to like
1: it when we were talking about it for the box office preview. You seemed kind of not so happy about it.
2: Well, here's the thing: I saw an in progress screening of it, but for, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to judge it too harshly because that wasn't like a final cut. But yeah. from what I understand, the movie didn't change much. Um, I guess I guess I can and should now say that if 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 the movie that's in theaters right now resembles the one that I saw South by Southwest, <laughs> and it sounds like it did, it's not a very good movie um it's basically like if it had come out like before inception had come out it might have seemed pretty interesting but but this movie feels at least 15 years too late and uh and um you know it's just it's it's not it yeah it's too expensive to you know it's a lot of things but yeah this is gonna be one of the biggest bombs of the year i think so um yeah pretty pretty bad stuff there
1: okay we have a bunch more to talk about we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back Okay, let's talk about this. Uh, James Gunn Superman Legacy. Last week, there was a story about uh, that James Gunn was... was uh, ha- well, the Hollywood Reporter... Let me back up here. The Hollywood Reporter reported that, that there was a short list of actors that were vying for the, the major roles in Superman Legacy. This is the upcoming film from James Gunn. And uh, they reported... That the the person like in the lead for the role of Clark Kent and Superman is got a guy that starred in Pearl. His name is David Cornswet, and I I never saw Pearl. Y- you've seen Pearl, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. W- what did you think of David?
2: I mean, it's it's such a radically different thing than like pl- playing Superman. He's got like a <laughs> he's got a pretty sizable role in the film. He's got the look for it, but I mean, it's just like you know, it's one of those guys where it's like you've seen such a small sample size of his work, or at least I have, and it's in such something so radically different than this that it was really sort of hard to, it was hard to like get get my head around it. But then you look at him, you're like, yeah, okay, I could see, I could see that being Superman. Sure, he's got the look. I mean, assuming he spends an, an absorbent amount of time in the gym, but yeah.
1: Yeah, James Gunn's always good with casting and casting uh, people that you wouldn't necessarily think of, I think, sometimes. Uh, but actually, after this report went out, uh, it, well, James Gunn took to Twitter and he said, quote, uh, for all you asking, I would never comment on who is who is or isn't auditioning for a role. That's the actor's business only. Uh, while he therefore wouldn't confirm or deny the following actors were in contention, he did reveal that, quote, only one person has been cast in Superman Legacy, and it isn't any of the regular players in the Superman world, unquote. So, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean anything because The Hollywood Reporter was basically saying that uh, he was the the leading in, in the running. It wasn't that he had been cast in the role, right? Like, th- that's what a short list is. And for – I don't know. It, so – it's not really much of a debunk. I, I think the – so I don't know if there's much to talk here because, you know, obviously no one's been cast in the role. But I think the interesting here thing here is Hollywood Reporter confirms that the roles that they're casting is Clark Kent, Superman, which was obvious. Lois Lane, who it seems like uh, the, the people that they're talking about is sex education star Emma Mackey and Marvelous Ma- Mrs. Mazel star Rachel Brosnahan. Ron... Rosnahan. Yes, uh, she's f- fantastic. I, I I love her. Um and uh but the other thing is uh Lex Luthor. So I think that confirms that Lex Luthor is gonna be the, the villain of this film.
2: Is that or the first one? Or at least a hearing? part of it, yeah. But also the, the the big thing going around is that there was because like Deadline had its own report and like Nicholas Holt was is supposedly like pretty much has uh, more or less has Lex Luthor locked down, it seems like. But, um, but there was also like some conflicting reports saying that like Nicholas Holt is actually up for Superman. So that's a little confusing, but like, but um, yeah, I don't know. I Nicholas Holt was very nearly Batman. So, you know, I mean, the guy, the guy obviously has been circling some of this for a bit.
1: Yeah, I think we'll circle back to this once the roles have actually been cast. It's fun to talk about who might be in the running and who might not be in the running, but Right now, I mean, it seemed like James Gunn. I mean, what, what do you make of James Gunn come, taking to Twitter to kind of debunk this without actually saying that the role, like the names, aren't people high in contention? I don't you know, know, he was I, like, I,
2: I, th- "I think, I think it's. I mean, I, I think he said a lot without saying much, right? By saying like, look, he wasn't willing to take any names in or out of contention. He just was like." I, he only adjusted because a bunch of people were in his mentions asking, and I think he was trying to curb that. He's like, "Look, I'm not commenting on who may or may not be up for the role. Obviously, some people are going to be up for this that don't get it, you know. So I think he just didn't want to throw anyone under the bus in that way, right? Like, so if he says like, Yeah, David, David, uh, David Cornsweet is totally up for Superman,' but then he doesn't get it, well, then that kind of makes James Gunn look like a dick. So he's not going to say anything like that. But um, and we it, we should also say
1: that like sometimes when these lists get out there. It's it's the actor's own people, you know, putting the name, you know, spreading that information to get the, the, right, the person's name. Right, because they're name. trying to get the
2: ball yeah. rolling. Yeah. Yeah, and I think at this point, this is, you know, this is some of the biggest superhero casting to come around in quite some time. You know, where, like, you know, you don't, you know, it's the first new Superman in, you know, a decade, uh, first actor to play the role in a decade, and or, or at least on the big screen, right? Because you've had a yeah. few guys on TV, but it's a big deal. And, you know, James Gunn at the helm, it's, it's a big deal. So yeah, of course you're going to have people vying for it. And, and, you know, James Gunn has gone on record saying they're going to start production in January. If you've got an actor that, you know, is skinny as a rail, but you want him as the role in the part and you're going to have to let that guy beef up, you know, you need months to get that person ready potentially, you know? And, and again, Superman is one of those few roles where it's like, I'm not saying you should like obsess over having this crazy body to play a superhero, but okay. superman is like a superman is a, is superman like you have to look the part and you know so i think that that's one of the few things where like yeah whoever they cast they got to they got to get in shape so you know that's going to take time
1: have they ever done a version of superman where clark kent is like a lot less physically like uh it doesn't look like he's muscular and then like when it's actually superman it's like somehow they actually do a body transformation that wouldn't
2: really make any sense i don't think because yeah like, i don't clark, think it would make any sense either clark but. kent is the alter ego <laughs> superman is the actual person you know that's it's that great thing from kill bill volume two yeah was talking about and that's true so i don't think that would make any sense um but yeah anyway so i don't know we'll see but the, i mean clearly i think because i think if i remember correctly when pattinson was cast it was really only a handful of weeks from when that name first came up And then, you know, like things were settled on. So I would wager we'll get an announcement here. I mean, what Comic Con's coming up seems like a good place to do it.
1: (laughs) I think you're right. Okay. uh, Let's go from one side of the comic book universe to the other side. Uh, Spider Man across the Spider Verse. Uh, You wrote this article up basically going over is it tied to the MCU? So tell me, explain this for us.
2: Yeah, so for anyone who's seen that Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse trailer there is a line in it from Spider-Man 2099 where he mentions uh, Doctor Strange and that little nerd back on Earth 199999. And basically that's a nod to, it's a very, very clear nod to Spider-Man No Way Home and the multiversal shenanigans that happened there. So it seemed to acknowledge uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe as part of this grand multiverse in the Spider-Verse. Well, in an interview with SFX Magazine, co-director Kemp Powers sort of addressed this whole thing. Uh, And here's what he had to say about it. The world of Miles Morales in Spider-Verse, it's not tied into the Marvel Cinematic Universe or anything like that. But this is a Phil Lord and Chris Miller film. We like to have a little bit of fun. We like to be a little bit meta and acknowledge the world which we are creating these stories. That's the best way to explain it. He also went on to say, this isn't something where we did anything in conjunction with Marvel. Miles, Miles, Universe, trust me, there's plenty to work with. That gag is one of many. And my favorite gag is one that people don't know about yet, but I think when they see it, they're going to be pretty stunned. It's a serious film, but it's also a film with a lot of fun in it. So not officially taking place in the Marvel cinematic universe, obviously because it's elsewhere within the multiverse, but he's basically saying, Oh, we're not even officially acknowledging the MCU, you know, or whatever. Like (laughs) to me, this seems like a little bit of base covering, right? Because like all of Sony's produced films, except for the tom holland spider-man films really don't exist in the mcu uh tom hardy's venom made it into the mcu for about five whole minutes before getting yanked back to his universe so you know the marvel studios clearly doesn't want anything to do with what Sony's doing so um i think that that you know joke exists because it was part of a sony produced marvel movie but that's about all they could get away with they clearly aren't collaborating with Marvel studios directly here. And I think this was Jim just saying things to kind of make that clear.
1: I remember when I was talking to the directors of the first film, they shared with me that originally in the script, there was a scene where miles is when he's learning about Spider-Man, he actually uh, learned about it from watching the film. So he's watching a movie version of a movie about Spider-Man in the miles universe where the real person Spider-Man, but it was a James Cameron directed movie starring Tom Cruise as Spider-Man, and um, never ended up happening. So, so I, I don't know. It, they're just having fun with all this, but that's not to say you know this the Spider Verse that we see in these animated films could be one of the many universes in the multiverse, and they could if they wanted to connect it. But do you think? Do you think they ever would?
2: Well, I think, again, that that relies completely on you do have to cooperate with Marvel a little bit if you're going to say like, hey, this, you know, exists as part of the grand multiverse. And, uh, you know, uh, either that or there is some big secret hiding here in this movie that we don't know about yet. And um, we'll see. But I, again, I think that there this largely is a spider verse and, you know, not necessarily getting into the whole MCU multiverse of it all. So we'll see. But. I think it yeah. was just a little bit of base covering. That's how I read it.
1: Yeah, I think it's just, just fun stuff. Okay. Uh, the last story is something that broke on Friday. Vin Diesel was doing an interview on a red carpet for Fast 10. And uh, it was in front of the Colosseum in Rome. Who was he doing this interview for? I don't have I think that. It was in Fandango, front of me. wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was Fandango. You were correct. Uh, And he was asked what he could say about the future of the Dom character outside of the saga. And his answer was very interesting. So this is what is – and he was standing there with Michelle Rodriguez too. I should say that. So his answer was, it's a really good question. As filmmakers, though, you want to allow people to enjoy the film without tipping the hat too much. I can say this. Going into making this movie, the studio had asked if this could be a two-parter. And after the studio saw this part one, they said, could you make Fast X, the finale, a trilogy? And then, like, uh, the reporter was like, are you confirming that this is going to be a trilogy? And he basically, like, walked away, smiling. Uh, he did say, uh, oh, uh, Michelle Rodriguez chimed in. And he said, uh, she said, uh, it's three acts of it's acts to any story. And she smiled. So what do you make out of this, Ryan?
2: All right, look. Uh, here's the thing. I think now it's it's worth note- noting that yes, this was always planned to be a you know a a a two parter, right? So yeah, uh, that that's at least so you can still do that. You can still do the two parts and, and finish your story. This to me strikes a little bit like Vin Diesel blowing some smoke. and 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 it's and and but in the but in the way that maybe someone at universal was like hey you know who knows if these do well maybe we'll do a trilogy instead and finish it up that way all all i'm gonna say about the matter is this fast x is currently tracking for a 67 to 70 million domestic debut the movie apparently carries a 340 million (laughs) dollar uh budget these movies keep getting more expensive because the insane cast cost a lot of money. So you're already making a gigantic spectacle with a cast of 20 people that are very expensive to pay. I don't think you can keep, afford to keep making these movies that way, the way that the box office is trending. So I think even if Fast X doesn't profit in theaters, which it's got a long road to profitability, Universal probably makes one more to finish it up and for long-term value finish up the saga, right? That's it. I don't. I think that no. I'm not saying the Fast and Furious franchise dies. Maybe another Hobbs and Shaw. Maybe a female. Oh wait, I
1: I see what you're saying. So in the second of the Fast Fast X trilogy, the bad guy is going to kill off most of the family, leading into the third one where it's just Vin Diesel taking the paycheck.
2: Sure. Yeah, that's a possibility. No. Okay. No. No. But really, you got to you got to get that. I think that's the big thing is you got to whittle that cast down somehow. So Hobbs and Shaw worked because you know, you were able to get two guys who were expensive and, and sort of make an expensive movie around those two guys. So it was an expensive movie, but not like the way that these movies are becoming expensive. And so I think that, yeah, you're going to get the, at least the two-parter. I don't think the trilogy is likely, but I do think the franchise will live on through spinoffs and stuff. But I think that this smells a little bit like, yeah, maybe that they're like someone at Universal's open to a trilogy if these movies make money, but it is if these movies make money. Studios will always make more of anything if there's money to be made. But if there isn't, they won't. So, you know, way too early to say.
1: So those early tracking numbers, what would that mean worldwide for, for this film? Well, this is, that-
2: this is a series that has always been sort of like a global franchise. Um, whereas like... so, the, so the, the,
1: the number you gave us was domestic, right?
2: That's domestic, yeah. So I think like, like, like for example... Uh, f9 only made 173 million domestic but it made 720 internationally right (laughs) so that's a huge split you know but that one had a 200 million dollar budget that's a phenomenally expensive movie you know the fate of the furious was the most expensive so far 250 million had a 225 million domestic finish but 1.23 billion worldwide so it made more it made it made more than a billion internationally you know what i'm saying so like that so so uh f9 had a had a 70 million dollar domestic opening so you could in theory get to around you know 720 worldwide you know like so like you could you cuz that's what you know um you know that's what f9 did so like but i mean that's not nearly enough to profit off a 340 million dollar budget cuz you're looking at even with you know you're probably $450 million in with marketing conservatively before you ever turn a dime. So you're looking at a movie that probably needs to make 900 million worldwide to profit, you know, using rough math. I mean, that's just probably, you know, it seems unlikely at this point and, and, and the first reactions to the film have not been glowing. So, you know, that's not going to help anything. We'll see.
1: Yeah, uh, our friend Jermaine Lucier, who over at io9 used to be at Slash Film, is one of the biggest Fast and the Furious uh, franchise fans I know, and he did not like this film. Yeah, he
2: called it the worst one, (laughs) like of all of them, and that's saying something. So, yeah, again, Uh... I'm not saying that everyone's had that reaction, but I'm saying that, you know, it seems seems unlikely that, you know, you would be looking at more than... I don't know. I mean, 800 even feels like a stretch. So, you know. I but mean-
1: if, you eat, if you hit 800, I'm sure there's also, like, what you're not taking into account there is, like, a film like this has, like, you know, a car brands pay, pay to be in these movies. There's, like, product placement. There's uh, brand deals that, like, you know, uh, there, there's other forms of revenue, I'm guessing. I, I'm sure. saying beyond sure. even, like, the home video thing.
2: But what I'm saying that like at at a 340 million dollar budget, no matter um, any amount of any of that, it makes it very yeah. very challenging to turn a profit of any kind. And the problem is it's getting harder. Like if you, it, it is almost impossible to make one of these movies for less than 200 million dollars at this point, point. and that's already a tremendously expensive movie. So like it it seems hard to imagine that beyond maybe another entry that you could continue to keep these things on the tracks let's not forget Justin Lin bailed a few weeks into making this last one. Like clearly there's a little bit of chaos making these things. Like it's hard. There's a reason that Justin Lin is the only guy that's ever made more than one of these things, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's people, you know, it's like, you just you, the directors come and go really quickly. So, you know, I don't so know.
1: I, I think what you're telling me Ryan is you don't expect this to be a trilogy.
2: <laughs> I would be very surprised. And again, if for no other reason than the financials won't, dictate that be the case um because even i understand this this movie had some extenuating circumstances that balloon that budget but i mean you got to figure the next one even if they're able to get the budget down 250 million on the cheap end you know which is just an obscenely expensive movie so i, I you know it's hard to it, it's hard to imagine they can keep doing that
1: yeah Okay, uh, you can find more of all the work at You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.